Good evening, LCM. That's a wake Tonight is Wednesday, June 24th, 2020. Man, in the last few weeks, the Lord has been lavishing. Say lavish. Lavish. On us some serious revelation, specifically about the heavenly realms. Have you guys been spurred on to study the word more? Have you been spurred on to dive deeper into the word to get a revelation for yourself? So have I. See, our Father's good to us. Not only has he been teaching us about the heavenly realms through our pastors and our shepherds, but he's been getting our attention about the daily, say daily, daily. application of our lives here on earth, specifically about our spiritual hygiene. Spiritual hygiene. So in a world today where most people, because of the stay-at-home orders, are running out of shows to watch on Netflix or crying because they ain't got no uh, foosball players to watch, we got something a little uh, more enriching, more spiritually uh, nutritious. As a matter of fact, it's starting to clean us up. We as a church of the living God in the body of Christ have continued to be set apart by what? By pursuing the revelation that is coming through discipleship. Amen. Didn't Justin just tell us about that? See, in our last message titled Spiritual Hygiene, Pride, we learned in order to kill pride, we need someone who detects and destroys pride in our lives. See, we need a spiritual DAD. We need spiritual fathers in our lives to destroy pride in our lives. See, we learned that when pride comes in, power goes out. We also learned that in order to deal with pride, we need to submit ourselves to the Lord and to those who the Lord have called to shepherd us. Have you guys learned something new in the last few messages we've had here in this house? Well, the hope tonight is that we will continue in the same vein. Not only learning something new, but have our actions show up for it. See, with that being said, let's just dive right into the word. All right, y'all turn to John 10. John 10, 10. I know that's a stone for some of y'all. You're not going to let nobody steal from you. All right, let's see what we can get out of this scripture. Let's make sure that when we get to John 10, 10, whatever you've previously known about the chapter, whatever you've previously known about the verse, we want you to forget it right now and look at it with fresh eyes. Yeah. We're talking about an illusion of the first time. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. I am the good shepherd, and the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. So we know that the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Now I want to ask you guys a question. Who's the thief? The evil one. Oh. See, what's so funny about this is we, we, when we hear John 10, 10, we, we sort of have this, might I say, Sunday school answer, right? So yeah. we know for a fact that Satan can fit in this verse, right? Yeah. We can replace thief with Satan, and it fits. We also know that we can replace false teachers, and it fits. There are false teachers that still kill and destroy. But there is also something that fits perfectly, just like Satan and a false teacher. 
See, it's something that the Lord repeatedly talks to us about over and over and over and over, like we need to get it down in our soul. Hey, it's ben, almost like we're living in a pandemic of... You're starting to get close to home here. I don't... I, I like talking about Satan. I don't know like talking about what's getting close Linton, to me. all I'm doing is preaching myself and aiming okay. it at everybody else. Okay, thank you, brother. All right. <laughs> it's almost like we're living in a pandemic of fear. Wow. Say that with me. Say fear. Fear. In fact, the scripture is replete with this reminder from the Lord. Over and over and over, God says, do not be afraid. Do not be fearful. Do not be terrified. Why does he have to tell us that? Because we have a tendency to get fearful, terrified, and afraid. Man, we're just like sheep. We get our heads down in the weeds and we get lost. The Lord tells us over and over and over, do not be afraid. See, we know that fear comes to steal. It comes to kill. And to destroy. Now, when we say fear, it's very general. We can somehow ascend when we talk about fear. We can make it very general. Like, yes, we know. Abin Bowling, Justin, we don't need to be fearful. Well, let's just call it what it is. Instead of saying fear, let's just call it unholy fear. Yeah. So instead of saying fear, we call it what it is. It's unholy fear. Now, as we get ready to turn in the Tanakh, specifically in the Torah, we need to clench with this idea that there's an unholy fear in our midst that we need to drive out. Yeah. So as I, as I told Bim, he was getting a little close to home. And the thing that happens when, when you start to talk about things that you're used to, I mean, all, all, yes, we, we hear messages about fear all the time. Yeah, we shouldn't fear. Fear is bad. Uh, we need to see this as an enemy. So as we, as we begin to talk about these things, I don't want it to be something like, oh, yeah, I kind of relate to that. You need to see it as an enemy. Because you know what you don't do? If you don't recognize it as an enemy, it stays. And that's how fear grows. And we're going to find out what fear costs you. Turn to Numbers 13. See, we're not going to worship fear tonight, so I don't want you to say fear. I want you to say there. I'll come up with some catchy in a little bit. Don't worry about it. <laughs> Just you wait. Let us know when you guys are there. It's cooking. The Lord said to Moses, Send some men to explore the land of Canaan, which I am giving to the Israelites. From each ancestral tribe, send one of its leaders. So at the Lord's command, Moses sent them out from the desert of Paran. All of them were leaders of the Israelites. They made it. Long ways from from Egypt. No more leeks and onions. Seeing the power of God. Seeing him him become a a wall of fire in between them and their enemies. Seeing him uh, draw a, a vast darkness in between them and those who were pursuing him. We're chosen. God remembered our fathers, God remembered what he spoke to us. The Lord is with us. Say, the Lord is with us. The Lord is with us. The Lord is with me. The Lord is with me. He is fighting our battles. We, we like those songs. Now go and take it. In verse 26, it says, you there? Verse 26. So they went out and explored the land. They say, they came back to Moses and Aaron and the whole Israelite community at Kadesh in the desert of Paran. They, were, they then reported to them at the whole, and the whole assembly and showed them the fruit of the land. There's some good fruit in this land. They gave Moses this account. We went into the land which you sent us, and it does flow with milk and honey. What God said is true. Here is this fruit. You can see it. But. Man, B-U-T. That's a downhill. But the people who live there are powerful, and the cities are fortified and very large. We even saw descendants of Anak there. They know him by name. The Malachites, 
living, who live in the Negev. The Hittites, the Jebusites, and Amorites live in the hill country, and the Canaanites live near the sea along the Jordan. Promised fruit, unexpected op- obstacles. Wait a second, Linton. You mean that the God of all gods is with the nation of Israel? Yeah. They have passed under the blood of the Lamb. They've been baptized through the Red Sea. They've had manna come down from heaven, the pillar of cloud by day and the fire by night. And now they're in the promised land and scouting it out. And there's some unexpected obstacles. That, that just doesn't seem like I would do it that way. Let's keep reading. In Numbers 13, 31. It says this, but the man who had gone up with him said, we can't attack those people. They are stronger than we are. And they spread among the Israelites a bad report. Say bad report. Bad report. About the land they had explored. They said, the land we explored devours those living in it. Man, isn't that encouraging? All the people we saw there are of great size. We saw the Nephilim there. The descendants of Anak come from the Nephilim. We seem like grasshoppers in our own eyes. Not their eyes, but in our own eyes. And we look the same to them. Man, this is very interesting. The nation of Israel has been given the green light to go into the promised land to scout it out. They brought back some fruit to Moses, but they also brought back a report that wasn't so favorable. There are unexpected obstacles in that land. See, the nation of Israel has the same problem that we have in this room tonight. An unholy fear of an obstacle that lies ahead of us. See, in Numbers 13, we recognize that the Lord's hand was in their lives, bringing about a promise, but right along that promise, they allowed an unholy fear to creep in because they realized they actually had to fight for God's promise. Man, how about us in this room tonight? How many promises has God given us? He has spoken to us, dreams and visions. Do you get down on yourself when you realize that you actually have to fight for his promise? It's not just going to be given to you on a silver platter. God has already destroyed the gods of Egypt. He's brought them through the, de- the desert to the promised land. And he said, go and fight. It's so funny when we think about this. Yahweh is among his people. The God that sits enthroned upon the cherubim is in their midst and they're worried about giants. Really? Giants? Yeah. When, we actually, when we think about this and we say this out loud, doesn't it sound silly? Yeah. The God who made heaven and earth is in their midst and they're worried about giants. What about us? Hmm. What about us in this room? What about you? The same spirit that was with them is the same spirit that is with us. See, an unholy fear literally, say literally, literally. stole 40 Years of their lives because of this. 40 years and how many lives? How many lives did it claim? See, we can look at Numbers 13 and say, oh, yeah, they zig when they should have zagged. But let's bring it home to us because that's why this word has come to us. What happens when God has told you something? He's told you to go in a direction. But keep in mind, he never promised them what it would look like. He never told them, like, hey, you're going to go do this and go do that. You're going to go do this. He set them out in direction and said, go, I will be with you. But see, what an unholy fear does, it starts to, it starts to paint a picture of what things should look like. At the first uh, slint of, uh, hint of discomfort, it starts to, to make you feel like maybe, maybe I'm zigging where I should have zagged. 
No, this is where God placed them. But what that did, what giving into an unholy fear did, it caused them to miss out on 40 years of the promise and to lose millions of lives in that process. That's not going to be us in this church. How much time has been stolen from us? How much time has been stolen from you and what God has told you to do? Because of giving into an unholy fear. A fear that, that, that wasn't inspired by scripture. Church, this word is coming to us because God does not want that to be. No lost time. From the night, no more lost time. God is calling us to clean up our spiritual hygiene. Because the, 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 the descendants of Anak, why were they there? They were, they were placed there by the enemy. He knew how to, what, what uh, strategic places to get at. We have to walk straight ahead in what God has called us to do. Not to the left, not to the right. And that is where we find our promise fulfilled in his time. Amen. So we know that there is an unholy fear. If there's an unholy fear, so that must mean that there is a, well, let's just put it on the screen. Proverbs 10, 27 says, the fear of the Lord adds length to your life. Wow. But the years of the wicked are cut short. So if there's an unholy fear, that must mean that there is a holy fear that we're supposed to have. And holy fear is, is opposite to what an unholy fear is. And speaking of holy fear, Linton, I don't think we ever announced the title of our sermon tonight what's that title brother the title is spiritual hygiene holy fear amen see just like in proverbs 10 that the fear of the lord adds length to our life and holy fear adding length to our life doesn't just stop there it adds length to the life of others say that with me length Length to the the lives of others we'll see this in the newer testament come on turn with me to acts 19 Say there when you're there. Yeah. Let's engage with the scripture. One night, the Lord spoke to Paul in a vision. Paulie. One night. Do not be afraid. Keep on speaking. Do not be silent. For I am with you. And no one is going to attack and harm you. Because I have many people in this city. So Paul stayed there for a year and a half, teaching them the word of God. Proper fear of the Lord, holy fear, kept Paul in the city, continuing to make disciples. And he didn't just extend his life through this fear. He didn't just extend uh, the, 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 just the people in the city's lives. He extended the generation's lives through discipleship. His fear was holy. Church, that's what the Lord, Lord is calling us to, to a holy fear. Life was extended through Paul's obedience to the Lord out of having that holy fear. No time stolen, no time wasted. And I want to come back to us now. See, in Numbers 13, we talked about uh, an unholy fear, which led to lost time. Sin, which led to lost time. But I want to speak to the people in this body. What are you waiting on that you, that you think is lost time? What, what promise, what what thing that God has spoken to you that you feel like it's just lost time that you're out in the desert somewhere. The scripture puts us in right alignment. Those who fear the Lord, they extend their life. There's no lost time for those who fear the Lord because you have a proper perspective of what he can do, of what his power can do. 
I, I guarantee you Paul did not have an Israeli address book with every person that God had in his city. But God had that book. We got to put our fear in the Lord, not in what we see. A holy fear empowers you. In Micah 3.8 it says, But as for me, I am filled with power, Come on. with the Spirit of the Lord and with justice and might, to declare to Jacob his transgression and to Israel his sin. Church, this is what we are called to. That unholy fear has no place in our midst. See, God desires to birth that hope. That unholy fear has no place in our midst. And God desires to birth that holy fear in us that empowers us just like it did the prophet Micah. See, the scripture doesn't say that you will be filled with power or uh, Lenten under the right circumstances. You will be filled with power. It says right here, right now, I am filled with power. Yeah. What about you, church? Yeah, I'm filled with power. See, we're supposed to be filled with power right now. See, in John 10, 10, we talked about this earlier. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. That unholy fear comes to steal, kill, and destroy. We saw this in Numbers 13. We saw how the nation of Israel, because of their fear of having to fight for God's promises, caused them to lose out on 40 years of their life. In John 10, 10, we also see that this satanic stratagem in, in, in John 10, 10 speaks about killing as well. Let's see in what other ways this shows up in the word and also in our lives. Let's turn to 1 Samuel 15 to shed some light on this. When you get there, say there. In 1 Samuel chapter 15, picking up in 17, it says this. Samuel said... Although you were once small in your own eyes, did you not become the head of the tribes of Israel? The Lord anointed you king over Israel, and he sent you on the mission saying, Go and completely destroy those wicked people, the Amalekites. Make war on them until you have wiped them out. Why did you not obey the Lord? Why did you pounce on the plunder and do evil in the eyes of the Lord? Man, we've, we've got so much teaching in this church. Oh, no, we do Saul. not want to be like Saul. Oh, no. We want to no, be as far away from Saul as possible. And it's so easy to distance ourselves from Saul and forget that Saul is no different than us. See, Saul had an anointed man of God in Samuel speaking to his life. We have shepherds here that are anointed by God that speak into your life. See, these shepherds have proven themselves just like Samuel proved himself. Yeah. Samuel was there before anyone knew who Saul was. Way before he was king, Samuel was there. Samuel took him into his home, broke bread with him, anointed him. Isn't this what, the, isn't this what our shepherds do for us here in this yeah. body? Yeah. So how do we get to this point in 1 Samuel 17 where Saul is not doing anything that God is saying? See, there's something that the scripture is trying to address. Let's skip down to verse 24. Then Saul said to Samuel, I have sinned. I violated the Lord's command and your instructions. I was afraid of the people, so I gave in to them. Unholy fear of man killed Saul's unity. It killed Saul's unity with Samuel, the man of God speaking into his life. It killed it with God, who was directing Samuel and directing him, who made him king. Unholy fear kills the unity with the one who puts you where you are in the first place. But it also has another really nasty effect. It eventually 
killed his, his unity with his brother David, who he should have discipled into the kingship. What does unholy fear do? It destroys unity. It destroys the, the communion that you should have with brothers as we walk hand in hand, fulfilling our, our calls and our mazuzas and the, and the mission of this church. So what do we do about this? If, if, you're, if you're Saul, what, what, what would you have done about this when you realized you had an unholy fear? You probably would have repented, right? We're going to learn later on about what happens. So we know for a fact that Saul didn't get this right. Yeah. But in the name of Jesus, we're going to get it right in this Amen. house tonight. Let's start Deuteronomy 31 on the screen. Pick it up in verse yeah. 12. Saul probably should have went to the word. <laughs> yeah, he should have, but he didn't. And we have the word with us tonight. It says this in verse 12. Assemble the people, men, women, and children, and the aliens living in your towns, so they can listen and learn to fear the Lord your God and follow carefully all the words of this law. Their children who do not know this law must hear it and learn to fear the Lord your God as long as you live in the land you are crossing the Jordan to possess. We learned that an unholy fear kills your unity with your brothers, yeah. kills your unity with God, and kills your unity with those who are supposed to come behind you. But we see here in Deuteronomy chapter 31 that God has assembled the entire nation, the men, the women, and down to the children. And because of a holy fear that the nation had, they're united with Yahweh God. Amen. See, unity through a holy fear with brothers and sisters impacts the generations that comes behind you. Yeah. Look at what it says in verse 13. Their children who do not know this law must hear it and let, learn to fear the Lord your God as long as you live in the land you're crossing the Jordan to possess. When you are unified with your brothers and your sisters in this body, those children who are on the other side of these walls, they learn the holy fear of God. Yeah. They learn how to hear his word, listen to his word, and put it into practice. As we follow the same train of thought from Deuteronomy chapter 31, we're going to see this in the first century church, how they brought about this exact same unity. Yeah. And I just want to key us in to mind something. Daniel prophesied about his commands, about what his commands do in our lives right here. Right here. That was a word from the Lord. What his commands do in our lives, they, they unite us to a standard. They unite us to a way of life. And that way of life moves on through the generations. How do I know that? Because it says it in Acts 4. Turn to Acts 4, verse 23. Say there when you're there. On their release, Peter and John went back to their own people and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said to them. So what we see here is that Peter and John have just finished testifying faithfully, and they will do it again. But just like uh, they may have learned from Saul, they didn't let fear of man, they didn't let uh, the fear of, of, of this power separate them from what God called them to do. Chief priests and elders wanted Peter and John to have an unholy fear, but they wasn't having it. What about us? What about you in your life? What wants you to have a holy fear or, or unholy fear? Lord wants you to have a holy fear or wants you to have an unholy fear. That's what we're talking about. That is what must be cut off in the name of Jesus. They were so filled with the holy fear of the Lord that they were eager to go back to the body. 
eager. They were united with to share with them what had happened. And you know what? They're going to turn, turn right back around and do it again. That, that is us. When the world tells us, hey, you should fear this, you should fear that, you should separate your fellowship because of you might have a cough. No. Not a, not a cough. No. I have a holy fear that has set me in a direction and I cannot turn from it. I cannot turn from it because God demands it of me. He requires it of me. And you know what? He empowers me to do it. That is the holy fear that we have. That is the holy fear in which we live our lives with. Peter and John were mistreated by the chief priest and the elders and said, hey, you need to stop doing what you're doing. You can't preach about this guy, Jesus. You're, you're causing the uproar. You have to stop. They were literally trying to drive an unholy fear in this man, and they refused to have it at all. They were mistreated by them and were eager to give back to the body that they love because of a holy fear that brings about unity. Look at what it says in verse 29. Now, now, Lord, consider their threats. That's all they are. Their threats. It's not the reality of our situation. It's a threat. Yeah. And enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform. Perform miraculous signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. Verse 31. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. Not only did they not back up, but they pursued what is righteous in the kingdom, and the Lord filled them with the Spirit, and they spoke his word boldly. In verse 32, it goes on to say, All the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of his possessions were his own, but they shared everything that they had. They saw what happened to Peter and John, and they, it caused them to be united, just like I'm united with my brother Linton. Come on. And they, could, they didn't care about their possessions. They weren't trying to latch onto it like, this is my car. They literally allowed everyone through the unity and the holy fear of God to, to, to move in a direction that caused the nation of Israel to shake. See? Yeah. So you're telling me that the Holy Spirit stands with the man who stands on what God says? Absolutely. Oh, okay. I bet. Just trying to make sure I got that. Earlier, we spoke about Micah 3.8. What the believers of, of, the, of the first century church are operating in is in the power of the Spirit of God, in a holy fear. And they're so filled with power because they know they're, they're at war. That's no different than us tonight. We are at war as we're now in this body. There is spiritual warfare going all around us. We're at war with our flesh. We're at war with spiritual powers, the archons of this universe. And I want to ask you guys a question. We're all familiar in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and, and John, where Satan came to tempt Jesus. Now, we know that he failed. He got smacked upside the head by Jesus. My question to you is tonight, after he failed to tempt Jesus, what did he do right afterwards? He looked for a more opportune time. So we've talked about an unholy fear that steals your time, an unholy fear that kills your unity. What's the last one from John 10:10? 10, 10? Destroy. Oh, wow. Okay. You can read your Bible. Let's turn to 1 Samuel 17. Come on. Church, we need to drive this point home tonight. Because I promise you, this is not something new to you. But what might be new is to realize that you don't have to live in an unholy fear. That, that, that might be new. When we look at our lives, that the, the way we carry on our days, there might be a new revelation. 
it first has to come with recognizing it, recognizing it in us and putting it to death. And we're going to we're going to show you very explicitly how that is put to death. In first Samuel 17, verse eight, Goliath stood and shouted to the ranks of Israel. Why do you come out and line up for battle? Am I not a Philistine? And are you not the servants of Saul? No, actually, they're the servants of God. But choose a man and have him come, come down to me. If he is able to fight and kill me, we will become your subjects. But if I overcome him and kill him, you will become our subjects and serve us. Then the Philistine said, this day I defy the armies of Israel. Give me a man and let us fight with each other. On hearing the, the Philistines' words, Saul and all the Israelites were dismayed and terrified. Wow. God's people dismayed and terrified that they would have to fight. It's almost like we can't get away from Saul. No. Four chapters ago in 1 Samuel 15, we learned that an unholy fear killed his unity with Samuel, with God, and eventually with David. Now that same unholy fear has completely destroyed his confidence. Man, we do not want to be like Saul tonight. No. We need to get away as quickly as possible from unholy fear right into righteous fear. Talking about quick, aren't you glad the verse doesn't stop here? Yes. Like Saul and Israel just made, and then they sat around and waited to lose. Aren't you glad that there was a man who stepped in? We have this Davidic king that our brothers have been teaching us about on Monday nights. Step onto the scene. Who needs the Davidic, Davidic king to step in your situation? It starts with having a holy fear of who he is. That he created all this. That there's nothing that, that passes him, nothing he, that he uh, turns a blind eye to. It starts with knowing who that Davidic king is in our lives. And I'm telling you, when we walk that out in a practical way, I mean, when, when that thought that you might be dismayed about, I mean, who's had a thought that they could possibly be dismayed about this week? It, it was, was the Davidic king standing right there, the first thing that came to mind? No, you saw what you saw. I did too. This is why we need the Lord to breathe on us, to give us this revelation that right now, right now, we pick up a holy fear and not an unholy fear. Psalm twenty-five, fourteen says this. The Lord confines in Come those on. who fear him. Come on. He makes his covenant known to them. Come on. What is what? it to confide with somebody? What, what is it to, to put trust in somebody, to let them know your plans? Like, hey, son, yes, I know that, that hill over there that you can't see over, it looks steep. But I'm going to bring you over that hill. I know that obstacle that's right around there. I, I, I know that, that it seems impossible. But, hey, I already got this plan. All you got to do is walk in it. What is it like for, for the Lord to confide in the one who fears him. That is a technical, a tactical uh, mission plan for God's people. I confide in the Lord. I, I fear the Lord. He confides in me. We go get it done. That's it. Man, wouldn't you want to sit in the Holy of Holies and hear the counsel of God? <laughs> see, we see that Saul and the whole nation is terrified. And then David steps up on the scene and he kills Goliath like Goliath is a rat. Yeah. You know, which it was. Think about this. David had a holy fear of God, and that holy fear of God 
caused God to confine the battle strategy to defeat Goliath. Yeah. So when we have a holy fear in this body, the Lord gives us a clear insight to what's going on in the spiritual realm. And the answer is we really can't lose, just like David couldn't lose. Yeah. See, Hebrews 10 talks about this in verse 39. But we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, but of those who believe and are saved. We live in a society, we live in a world that wants you to shrink back, that wants you to be terrified. Lock yourself up in your house and hide in a corner. The word clearly says that we are not of those who shrink back and destroy, but of those who believe and are saved. Just like in Micah 3a, we are filled with the Spirit of God. We are filled with power. Come on. See, we could have easily stopped at destroyed your confidence. That an unholy fear destroys your confidence, and this is still true. But there's one more thing within this body that is so prevalent that we seriously need to address. So let's go back to the book of Acts. We've been in it all night, so might as well go back again. Acts 5, starting in verse 1. Brother Justin just taught us about this a little bit. That, that tithe box needs to be growing over there. Now a man named Ananias, together with his wife Sapphira, also sold a piece of property. With his wife's full knowledge, he kept back. He kept back. He kept back. Whose money was he keeping back? God's money. He kept back part of the money for himself, but brought the rest and put it at the apostles' feet. Oh, I mean, I, 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 partial obedience is somewhat obedience, right? Let's see. Not even then close. Peter said, Ananias, how is it that Satan has so filled your heart that you have lied to the Holy Spirit and have kept for yourself some of the money you received for this land? So if you think about it, think back when, when Peter had the concerns of men as he was walking with, with, uh, with his disciple. He learned something, Pastor Matt. Satan, get behind me. Peter's Peter's starting to pick it up. This is the act of Satan. You're hiding things back. You're concealing things from your brothers. We just just, uh, read about what Acts 4 was supposed to be. They they gloried in their trials. They gloried in their persecutions. They gloried in all things with each other. But we see we have here that an unholy fear seeks to steal your transparency with your brothers. That is us. That is me. An unholy fear of what they might think of you, of what, you know, what are my, my, my kinfolk back in Israel going to say now that I'm following this whole Jesus crew? I don't, I don't know what it was. That's, that's conjecture. But what unholy fear steals your transparency? See, we're supposed to fight together. And I can't fight with you if I don't know where you are. That's, 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 that's not a, a, a battle plan. That's Marco Polo. We are called. It's funny, but I mean, if you think about how long you go throughout your weeks without knowing where your brothers are, that, that will shock you. It, it might just shame you. We're called to know where each other are. You're called to know what I'm battling with, what I'm struggling with. And an unholy fear gets in between our transparency, and our transparency is the way that we fight. That's the way that we fight. Ananias and Sapphira, unholy fear, had to be seen for what it was. 
Their unholy fear destroyed the transparency with the body of Christ. What about in this body like we talked about? Avoiding pastors or brothers rather than being healed. So what that, what that could look like is when Linton looks at me and says, hey, Abimbola, how are you doing today? How you doing? And I'm like, oh, man, I'm doing great, brother. I'm blessed by the Lord, man. His spirit is upon me, man. These are great. But I'm not actually being transparent about my battles, what I'm wrestling with, the lack of shalom in my home. That is unholy fear. Yeah. Let's, let's walk in transparency with one another. The world, already, the world already hates Jesus and hates what we do. That's, that's already enough, right? Let's not have friendly fire within the body. And what I mean by that is when the pastors come up to you and like, hey, brother, how are you doing? And you just give a generic answer, that is friendly fire. They're, these men watch over your souls. It actually says that in Scripture. Let's walk in that transparency. Let's, let's learn from Acts chapter 5 with Ananias and Sapphira. Let's walk in transparency. And, not, and I don't mean like the pastors have to pull your teeth to get information out of you, but you're willing to give information without them having to say anything. Yeah. Let's walk in that. Yeah. You, know, you know where these things get fixed? I mean, really, where you start to put some of these things in right alignment? Turn to Psalm 19. Yeah, it's going to fix something. <laughs> we're all in Psalm 19 come on so we know that an unholy fear destroys transparency it has zero say zero, zero. zero. place in our lives it does not belong at all it must be thrown out like somebody who doesn't pay rent in your house like a bum yeah. see in Psalm 19 it says oh, just in verse let's, no, no, no. let's, let's think we about need that. to go back to that so if you walked into your house and somebody was sitting on your living room, like, like bro, man, if any of y'all watched Martin back in the day, and was eating your stuff, would you consider, would you just be okay with that? I know y'all. I, I know all of y'all. Nobody would be okay with that. From the least to the greatest. A little Benaya right there, he'll go crazy. Who are you? You don't belong here. But do we see unholy remnants of fear like that? Yeah. We have to recognize, you know, Corinthians says that we have the mind of Christ. And we know that. Guys in prison, we've talked about that and we've tried to rep that again and again and again. We have the mind of Christ. What keeps you from walking in the mind of Christ? When you don't recognize that you're not in the mind of Christ. When you don't recognize that your actions aren't lining up with the mind of Christ. When unholy fears are keeping you from doing what Christ would have done. So you're not walking in the mind of Christ. The reason it's so important that we that we we clinch with these things yeah. is because when we recognize them, we know how to fight them. Yeah. The word teaches us and the word is going to teach us right now how to do that. Picking up in verse nine in Psalm chapter 19, it says this. The fear of the Lord is pure, enduring forever. The ordinances of the Lord are sure and altogether righteous. They are more precious than gold, than much pure gold. They are sweeter than honey, mm. than honey from the comb. Come on. By them your servant is warned, and keeping them there is great reward. So this reminds me of 1 John chapter 1. It says, when we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. 
when you have that holy fear of God in you, man, you're, you're as open as a clear window. And that's how we're supposed to walk in this body. That the fear of the Lord causes something in us to be birthed that is pure. His fear causes something in us that is sure that we can stand on. It's, worth, it's more precious than any earthly material thing or precious metals. His holy fear in us is a great reward. A great reward for you, church. A great reward for our children. Even after we're gone into eternity, it is a great reward. See, if we just really just hold on to what's going on, and we we really zone in to what God is speaking to us tonight. See, we, we can talk about an unholy fear all day long, but we want to focus on the holy fear that God is birthing in this place. It, it reminds me of Revelation, yeah. where it says that those who die in the Lord from now on, that their deeds will follow them. See, when we walk in the holy fear of the Lord, we'll see the, the fruit of it in our lives. But even when we're gone, our children and our disciples are going to reap from the benefits of having that holy fear. Man, we need that in this body. We need to be full of his power. We need to be full of his spirit. All right, church. Listen to me. So Wednesday night, we 40 minutes in. I need y'all to key in. Because the Lord wants something for us. You know why? Because the rest of the body of Christ already wasted enough time. Us, we've already wasted enough time. How many years has the enemy stolen from you? of blood-bought faithfulness, overcoming victory? How many, real, how many relationships have been poisoned because of unholy fear? This, this is for us. It hit, I know it's not new, but it, it's for us. It hits home. Key in with us on these last, last few points. I promise you. Not because, it's, not because I'm promising you anything, because the Spirit of God in you wants to redeem the time. Amen. Church, do you know who else? Like in Micah. Micah says, on the other hand, I am full of power by the spirit of Adonai, full of justice and full of might to declare to Yaakov his crime and to Israel his sin. Who else was full of, the, was full of power and justice and might? Who right now is full of power, justice, and might in us? Yeah, Chris, you're right. This one I'm talking about, he's in Luke 13, what I'm talking about, but yeah, you too. Uh, Y'all turn to Luke 13. Luke 13, 10. Uh, We didn't come here tonight to tell you all about all the ways that fear is bad. You already know that. What we wanted to do was grapple with the realities of how how it affects us and how it pertains to us, how these things pertain to us so that we can recognize it. But what we want to talk about is a turning of the tide. We want to talk about when the Spirit of God comes into a situation and completely renovates it. it. When the Spirit of God uh, comes upon a man and changes his mind completely, transforms his mind. That's what we want to spend the rest of our time talking about and the rest of our lives realizing. In Luke 10, 13, 13, 10, on the Sabbath, Jesus was teaching in one of the synagogues and a woman was there who had been crippled by a spirit for 18 years. 18 years. Think about that. 18 of your years, 18 years of your life 
walking with a hunchback, head down, not able to see what's right ahead of you, looking at your feet. 18 years. Let's wrestle with that. When Jesus saw her, he called her forward. What has the Lord done in each one of our lives? He's called us forward. Woman, you are set free from your infirmity. Then he put his hands on her and immediately she straightened up and praised God. You know what we're going to do today? We're going to straighten up. Because I'm pretty sure from what we've talked about in the past 45 minutes, some instances have come to mind where you realize that this was not just a struggle, not just a weakness, but it was an unholy fear that stole your real life, that destroyed things in your life, that killed things in your life. Now we get to stand straight up in the power of God. That's the kind of fear what fear doesn't. We're dealing with it tonight. No wise words. We're dealing with the fears tonight. We're dealing with unholy fears tonight so that we would stand up in the promise of God. We're putting off the crippling effects of unholy fears and we're putting on the power that comes from the spirit. That is what the king said. That is what our king did. Now look at what he demands of his body. In Matthew 16, verse 17, Jesus replied, Blessed are you, Simon of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by man, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. Church, we are on the offensive. Because you know what? This was given to Peter by God. It didn't come from any man. It came to Peter by God. The same thing is coming to us. And we're going to talk about what that practically looked like. So we know that the church of the living God is on the offensive. We are on the offensive. Do we have that slide? We can put up a slide. Good. Amen. While the slide is coming up, I am going to to tell you what the slide says. So in 2 Corinthians 3.17, this is a verse that we're really familiar with. The Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Yeah. We were talking about Jesus saying that we are on the offensive, that the gates of Hades will not overcome because we're charging straight in. If we're not careful when we look at this verse, we can say, okay, yeah, the, where the, the Spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. And it could be something that we're, we, we, we separate our, ourselves from. But we look at Genesis chapter 1. The first time we're introduced to God Almighty, His Spirit is hovering over the chaos and the darkness. And in Genesis 2, he breathes his spirit yeah. into man. So when we tie that back to 2 Corinthians 3, 17, where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. It is speaking about his spirit that is in you, that we should have no unholy fear, but a righteous holy fear that causes us to walk in freedom. Church, do you want to walk in that freedom? Yeah. See, if I said point to the spirit of God, what would you point? Come on, raise your, hold up, hold up. Raise your hands. Point to the spirit of God. Y'all all over the place. Help them out, man. Help them out. <laughs> you guys remember one of our 12 gates is that we are his dwelling place, that we are God's temple. See, his spirit in us is the death nail to unholy fear. Come on. When you have a righteous, holy fear of God, unholy fear cannot exist. 
So much so that when you're walking in this holy fear, people are looking at you and saying, man, this guy's walking on a completely different level. We're supposed to walk in a divine reality that the world cannot see. That if we allow our light to shine so much before men, they will recognize that there is a God that is above every other God because of the righteous holy fear that we walk in. And his spirit testifies that we're his children and he is our father. So... Are we, are we putting this together? The spirit of the Lord is freedom. The Lord is the spirit and the spirit is freedom. That spirit comes to chaos, comes to dark waters, and he separates the dark from the light. He puts things in order. That spirit has been breathed into us. So when we talk about a peacemaker, when we talk about somebody that brings shalom, what about you brings shalom? Is it that you're orderly? Is it that you take good notes so you know where everything should go? No. What brings peace in you is that God's spirit is in you. Come that on. is why unholy fear cannot live in us anymore. We have the very spirit of the living God that sets everything in order. This is how we're to live. Second Samuel uh, 5, starting in verse 19. So David inquired of the Lord. Shall I go and attack the Philistines? And this is what we need in this place. We need some Davids. You know why? Because what separated David? What separated David from just the next guy in Israel? I mean, the next guy in the rank. What really made him different? Holy fear. You know why he had holy fear? Because he knew whose he was. Tristan's been telling us about that. You focus way too much on what you do when you need to focus on who you are in Christ and let what you do flow out of who you are. Yeah. That is what we need. I have no time to be worrying about unholy fears of this and that when I'm focused on doing what God has told me to do. And you know why I can focus on that? Because I know who I am. That's what he wants from us. Church, this word has been impacting me because I want to know who I am in Christ on an increasing measure. Amen. That's when things get set right. What about you? What about you? Do you want to know who you are in Christ? Yes. It starts right here. It starts with a holy fear. If God said you can do it, it's not even about you anymore. Go do it. If God said, hey, I want you to go and give this, but Lord, I ain't, I ain't got nothing. I got, I got nothing. Go do it because God said it. All unholy fear, done away with, wiped away. That is what God is calling us into. That is how we clarify spiritual hygiene. These powers and these principalities are seeking to sow, sow fear and, and deceit and disorder into your life. But when you only have view for who you are in Christ and what God has told you to, you bypass that. You run right over it. It's a speed bump. That's what the Lord wants out of us tonight. We're going to continue. Shall I go and attack the Philistines? Will you hand them over to me? The Lord answered him, go, for I will surely hand the Philistines over to you. That is a holy fear. So David went to Baal-perazim, and there he defeated them. He said, as waters break out, the Lord has broken out against my enemies. How many want the Lord to break out in your life right now? I do. How many want to break out in the power that God has called you here for? I do. But you know what that's for? Not not to be some, some great man of God. So that I will actually be who I am. I want to know that person. I want to know Christ. Okay, as we begin to close, 
We've talked about all the unholy fears that, that you know you got to do away with. And this church is trained in the art of repentance. What we want tonight is a declaration of power, a declaration of freedom. We just told you that the spirit is in you and will cause you to walk in the fear of the Lord. What we want as you uh, prepare your minds, as you, as you bring those things to mind, we want a declaration. What are you going to do? What, not what are you sorry about, what, not what you need to get better at. What, how are you going to live differently? How are you going to recognize the fear of the Lord in your life and, and cut out all unholy fears? That's what the Lord wants tonight. We have been emancipated from fear. How can we live in it any longer? You've been freed. How can you live in it any longer? You will either be emancipated from fear or emasculated by it. And we want no domesticated lions in this place. No, we don't. Hebrews 10.39 says, But we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, but we are of those who believe and are saved. Amen. Micah 3.8. On the other hand, on the other hand of unholy fears, on the other hand of, of uh, my unity being destroyed, my time with my... With, me discipling my kids and my disciples being stolen. On the other hand of that, I'm filled with power. Amen. By the spirit of Adonai, full of justice and full of might to declare to Yaakov his crime and to Israel his sin. Do I have some believers in this place? Yes. I'm talking about why God brought you here to this body. Do you believe in that? Yes. I'm talking about your supernaturally endowed family banner that will bear fruit as you put it in the time of practice. Do you believe in that? I am talking about the mission that he has been, he has given this body for and the one association. Do you believe in that? He has many things, many things in store for this church and many things prepared for you. But what we are to do now, as we've already heard, is not some new revelation. We're to outperform our, our station like we never have before. You know why? Because I have no unholy fears holding me back. I have no unholy fears uh, slowing me down on my tracks. My unity is not being destroyed. My time is not being stolen. Actually, it's being used wisely because you know what? James 4 says my life is a vapor, so I'm not wasting time anymore. I'm going to go straight after what God has spoken in my life and what he's spoken in my family's life. Let's stand to our feet. My brother mentioned earlier that we are a church, it's not very hard for us to repent. You know, while multiple times we're closing and we're doing an altar call, people are already coming to the altar. I'm reminded in the book of Nehemiah, Nehemiah said, should a man like me run away? And that's, that's our question to you tonight, LCM. Are you going to run away or press in? See, we're not asking you not to repent. That's not what we're saying. We're saying... What declarations are you going to make tonight? Has unholy fear been eating your lunch for years, months, weeks? Has it killed unity within this body, within your relationship with this, within this body? Has it destroyed your confidence and in turn destroying your ability to be transparent with those who love you and would die for the vision that God has given you? What declarations are we going to make? 
because the Lord loves this church. I love this church. Linton loves this church. The Lord is calling us forward, just like he called the woman who had been hunchback for 18 years. What if the lady heard Jesus call her forward and she decided, no. You know what happens? She never gets healed. She never makes it into the canon of scripture. I don't have to say that the Lord is calling us forward tonight. We know that he is. As soon as I start to pray, you guys know exactly what you're supposed to do. Grab a pastor, grab an elder, grab a brother. Deal with what you need to deal with at the altar. But the most important thing is when you leave this altar, what are you going to now do as you walk in holy fear? Father, we thank you tonight. Lord, you are our Father and the God that is above every other God. Lord, we say we do not want to partake any longer with unholy fear. Lord, we want the righteous holy fear that comes from you and you alone. Father, we're asking, just like in the book of Micah, Lord, to fill us with that power to declare what you have told us to declare. Lord, to represent you how you want to be represented. Lord, to not get lost in our minds, to not get lost with the the, the conversations and discussions of the world, but to be set apart like David was set apart, to be set apart like Jesus, you were set apart. Lord, you are setting us apart tonight in this body. Lord, help us to walk in this holy fear that brings honor and glory to your name. In Jesus' name.